hello everybody welcome to the either show me your walk podcast with megan k or you might be watching this from youtube in which case hello um if you are watching from the podcast i do want to go ahead and let you know that there is a change in the name of it as you might have noticed um, i want to quickly explain why that is as well i know it's been a minute since i've actually been on um so you can see it's now show me your walk with olia v and uh, Olya is actually my birth name. So a lot of you guys know I was adopted from Moscow, Russia. And um, I just have been feeling my birth name lately. I feel like it's more me, I guess. So that's the short version of that. But today we have a really cool episode for you guys. Funny enough, we had to film it a second time because of the way it was recorded. <laughs> but it's okay. We're going to do really great this time. I actually have one of my really great friends here named Vika. Say hi, Vika. Hi. <laughs> yeah, and today we're going to be talking about adoption um, and a couple of other topics. DNA revolved around that. She is also going to be telling her story. It's super inspirational, so um, I look forward to you guys hearing that. Without further ado, Vika, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, to start off, I am one of many Russian adoptees. Um, I was adopted in 2005 to a family that already had two biological children of their own and um, two more boys were adopted with me from the same orphanage. Um, since then I have been in the United States military and I have two children of my own. Oh, that's lovely. And yeah, I've, I've known Vika for a while, so um, I do know her lovely children as well. So how do you feel, I know we started with this question last time, how do you feel being adopted and your life experience has shaped your view on life? Uh, I'm very thankful for the second chance at life, so to speak, and getting more resources and things of that nature that otherwise wouldn't have been available to be, wouldn't have been available to me where I came from and at the time I came here from. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. No, definitely. Um, it's been, it's very interesting if you look at Russia in the 90s and even even the US in the 90s, but just the difference there was um, for Russia because it just ended the Soviet Union and all of that. It was really crazy. Yeah, lucky me, the 90s <laughs> baby. Woo! Yeah, mine, mine's 95, so mine was like right after the collapse. So... Mm -hmm. Oh my Same, goodness. But at the time that I was growing up over there, it was still very much Soviet Union without being Soviet Union on paper. Do you have a Soviet passport like I do? I, I do not. I really didn't get a passport until 2005, right before I had came here. So oh, okay. that's literally the only reason. Wow. Yeah, no, they gave me a Soviet Union passport. So that is what mine looks like. Yeah, because you're a wee little baby that came here in the 90s. <laughs> I was a tiny bib. Yeah, I was uh, like two years old. Uh, but anyway, so with so your parents, I know we've talked a lot about, you know, both your biological parents, your adoptive parents, but how do you think your experiences with them have shaped your outlook? So not even not just your whole story, but your parents specifically. Um, I think, you know, while I'm grateful to have been adopted, it was incredibly difficult coming to United States at 12 years old when you already have um seen so much of life and not necessarily the great parts of it you know so like it really shapes you as a person with your beliefs and stuff like that so like when you come in 
to a family so late, it's hard for you to adapt to their views and like their beliefs and things like that. Because like I said, at 12, you already have your own. And I think that made it very difficult for my parents here. And it almost made me seem like a rebellious child because um, I knew my biological family and my siblings and things like that. So it was hard for me to just be like, you know, scrap this whole idea of having my biological family and this is my family now and these are my parents now and this is my culture now. So like it, it was it was hard to let go of where I came from. Yeah, no, of course, I can imagine. Um, as far as Russia, do you? how did your adoptive family, what did they know about it? What did they teach you about it? How was that? So from like what I understand, my father here was always interested in the Russian culture, but hmm. uh, they never like, you know, they weren't able to learn the language. He knew a little bit of the background, like a little bit of the history, but not so much of like the modern day Russia, like when we came here mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think they had a, a very small idea of like what to expect adopting children from Russia and adopting older children from Russia at that. Um, I think um, that made it difficult because, you know, like I said, they never understood the language. So it was hard for them to have two children who were 12 years old and their you know native tongue is Russian and spoke zero English so like we were trying to communicate like the best that we could using dictionary like using um like a miss uh like there was a dictionary made for like uh Russian adoptees at the time with like the very basic words and phrases and things like that that we could like point at in in regards to like trying to show like what we were trying to communicate so there was a, a language barrier for quite some time and because my parents didn't speak Russian, I think it made them feel, uh, I don't really want to say like insecure, but like almost uncomfortable. Like when we spoke our native tongue because they didn't understand, they thought that we may have been like talking badly or whatever about them. And that was never the case. It was just that that was like our, our only option at the time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel like that is difficult because I don't know, the Russian language too, I know, um, you know, that I'm learning it right now. And it's, it's a pretty tough language. I'm not gonna lie. Very pretty, though. I do like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as so actually, I don't know if you touched on this already, if you're comfortable, of course, touching on your bio family a little bit, because again, your story is so inspirational. I, I have a lot of respect for you and how far you've come. So in regards to like my biological family, um, my biological father passed away when I was eight. And then um, when I was nine and a half, I got taken away from my biological mom. And so I got separated from, at the time, my one-year-old sister and my 11-year-old brother. So then my mom was given six months to kind of like, you know, get her life together and then she could... um, try and get me back but that didn't end up happening so I ended up going into the orphanage from the children's home and then my sister got taken away my brother was already living with his dad so like we we all got separated and then from that point forward um the last time I ever saw my mom was my 10th birthday yeah how how has that I don't know how how am I asking this so Obviously, you had to go from that and then coming to the U.S. And I know that you had a pretty um, relatively good experience in the United States, um, aside from having to adjust to culture and and those Mm -hmm. things. 
um, how did you, I don't know how I'm, I'm trying to ask, how did you end up moving forward from everything you had to handle in your biological family? Because that, I mean, I've always thought about your life and I'm like, damn, she's come a really, really long way with that. Honestly, it's been very difficult. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat and say, yeah. oh, you know, it's just been so blissful and peach and <laughs> stuff like that, because that's really not the case. It's been a wild ride for the past 18 years. Um, I still feel until this day, like I'm going going through like this mourning period because now like um, I've come to find out like my biological mom has been gone since 2010. So I feel like I never really got closure with her and I always wish that like I could have a conversation with her as an adult and be like hey this is how your choices affected my life up until this point and hey you have two grandchildren now by the way so like um yeah I think like that weighs heavily on me a lot but like I am thankful to have been able to reconnect with my sister and my brother since um, coming to United States. It did take a long time to find them though. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And for those of you that are listening that are not adoptees, it is extremely common for adoptees to find out that their birth parents are not alive and have not been alive for a decade or even decades right. <laughs> prior right. to them finding out. Yeah. And it's insane. And um, that feeling of not having that closure is definitely something that um, I can understand from that perspective. Um, and with your, I know your brother, uh, you know, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Would you be open to talking about that story and how you guys met and how that made you feel your sister? Yeah. As well. yeah so it, it took me, um, about 15 years to find my brother and my sister after coming to United States. I did have to take, um, DNA tests in hopes of like, maybe my sister was adopted into a family here, um, and stuff like that but that didn't end up being the case like how I ended up finding them was through Russian social media which you know thank thank God for that because otherwise I have no idea I think my other choice would have probably been like writing a book and hoping that I can translate it to Russian and like sell it there and she'd be like okay I'm gonna pick it up and like read it but like the chance of that happening (laughs) is like slim to none um but yes I did find them I did not, ex- like, I didn't know what to expect, like, when I had found my sister, because she was one, I wasn't, I didn't have, like, the slightest idea of, like, what she would look like as a grown-up, or anything like that, I am proud of her for everything that she has overcame up until this point, uh, like, while my life was difficult, knowing all of the details that had led us to having the life that we did, it does break my heart that, you know, she was taken away at one years old and had to stay in the system until she was 18. Yeah. And she thought that she had no family, nobody that loved her, nobody that cared about her. And but here I am on my end, like looking for her all these years, like through social media, through DNA tests, through like every resource that was available to me at the time. So I am thankful to have found her and that you know she's healthy she's alive she's doing well all things considered uh with my brother I was able to reconnect with him and still have a relationship with him and like 
give him, I guess, the closure that he needed, that he was loved, that he was cared for, um, that he had, you know, two nephews. And it's like you said, you know, may he rest in peace now. He did pass away in December due to the current conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And it's, you know, that subject in itself is very difficult to think and talk about. Yeah. But I'm still thankful to have the opportunity to tell him that I miss him and that I love him. Yeah. And I'm sure he can hear that and knows that you do. So definitely. Um, I definitely appreciate you saying that you actually had a really good story the first time we filmed this um, about, mm-hmm. I think it was getting hit with a flip-flop. Do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. When he and I first reconnected, because like I said, we, we know our childhood, like we know the circumstances that led us here. Uh, when I had reconnected with him, I was like, you know, I think you're my brother. And he's like, well, He's like, I have two two sisters, so I don't know which one you are. And he was like, kind of like baiting me, trying to like test me and see how much I remember. And, you know, partially it's like a tourist thing because he's a tourist, I'm a tourist. So he was like, hmm, you know, let me like play around with her a little bit. (laughs) And um, like I said, it's just funny enough that like, this the last um, memory I have of him like seeing him in person just happens to be like a typical sibling story of like fighting around stuff like that and like I said we were just kind of goofing around and he smacked me with a flip-flop so that was really good (laughs) oh my goodness I love I love that story it's really sweet I'm glad that you have that memory of him too yeah yeah for sure and then like I said you know despite life not being exactly fair to him either i'm still proud of the man that he was and i'm very honored to have him part of my life no matter how things panned out yeah no of course and um was there anything like did you guys ever get to meet um as adults or was it just over vk or um uh it was only through vk and through um Adnaklasniki, which is the other uh, social me- social media that they have in Russia, like that, those were our forms of communication. I did see pictures of him as an adult, and I was able to talk to him on the phone a couple of times. That's so awesome. I did. I, I did hear him as an adult. So that must have felt wonderful. Yeah, I I definitely needed that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I again, I appreciate you talking about it because I know that's been difficult for you. And again, may he rest in peace. I'm sure he's really proud of you, honestly. Uh, I'm I'm sure, but you know, it like I said, it's it, it's brotherly love. Even when I had reconnected with him, he was like, "Something's <laughs> never changed. You're still stubborn." I love that, though. I think, but it's you know, it's like brother sisterly love, right? And that's yeah, beautiful. definitely. But you know what? If you want me to be honest, my perseverance, like resilience and stubbornness, is like what kept me going all these years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny you talk about that because I feel like a lot of us adoptees have that. Mm -hmm. A lot of adoptees that I've met. um, I don't know if you know uh, Pavel. You might know him. I don't know. Uh, um, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, either way, he was in the group for a little while and then he left Mm -hmm. there. um, For those of you that don't know, and actually I do want to go ahead and plug the social media sites in, in Russia as well for you guys, if you're adoptees looking for anyone. So as you know, there's a VK that's um, like V as in Victoria and then K as in, hang on, I'm blanking. Kiesel. 
His what? I'm sorry. Kilo. Kilo. K is in Kilo. Um, yeah, they can be just VK.RU. And it's actually an app on your phone as well. And the other one, I can't pronounce. Um, it's, well, the short version is OK, but it yeah. stands for Adnaklasniki. And then VK is for Kontakti. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, you can just type in OK or VK.RU and to the App Store and you should be able to download it. It is really helpful for me personally. I haven't found anyone, but my story is also a lot more complex in some ways um, mm -hmm. than, than some other people's. But that's totally OK because I've met so many adoptees who have found luck there. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to go ahead and talk about. Oh, yes. So with uh, with Pavel, for example, he has come a really long way as well, or any of the friends that we know. I mean, all of the Russian adoptees we know, and we all seem to have this gung-ho, I've got to survive attitude. And it really is that. It's like, I need to survive. There's no choice. And, and it's this kind of thing. I mean, even I have that. It's like, I'm going to make myself into something mm -hmm. no matter what. And it's a very strong drive. Yeah, I think, and that's, you know, it's definitely a double-edged sword while yeah. on one and that's a trauma response because you're hyper independent and that's one of the you know like i said one of the responses to trauma but on the other hand it it, it makes you be successful in life in your own way mm -hmm. so like i said double-edged sword it definitely <laughs> you have trauma but at the same time you're just you know and i cost a lot sorry so you're kicking ass yeah. and taking I don't sense. mind that. I was trying to decide last time if I was okay swearing, but people swear on these all the time. I watch the Call Her Daddy podcast and they're oh, all yeah. swearing. But in, so it's fine. This is, this is a little different. <laughs> it is, but we're also real people. Yeah. And I think it's okay. A lot a lot of the people watching this, you know, they're adults. I don't feel like a child will um, come and watch this. So I think I think we're good. <laughs> um, I just don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> You should be okay. You're good. No, you're you're amazing. Um, but no, when you said the double-edged sword, I did want to go ahead and touch on that for a sec because it truly is. And although it's a very good thing, I think, to want to help others and want mm -hmm. to be an inspiration like a lot of us do, also know to give yourself compassion and give yourself time to rest, okay? Um, if you're going through trauma, you just came out of trauma, your body's going to be exhausted and you are going to need to take time. So although it is a good thing to want to make a difference and be inspirational, care for yourself too. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Whether you need therapy, whether you need some soul searching, whether you need whatever, it, it's, it's a necessity to recharge. Mm -hmm. Therapy is a huge thing too. I feel like I, I kind of wish I was put in therapy earlier in my life. Um, yeah. And I, that's one of the things that we talked in our previous video that, you know, did not pan out for us. But yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's a necessity for any child that gets adopted, no matter the age, to go through that because whether you're 18 months or 12 years old, however, however old you are, I think it's it's completely necessary because up until you're three years old, your brain is like a little sponge and it picks up on everything. So whatever you've been up to that point is kind of what's going to help shape you are as a person. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you have these brilliant little quirks that you have to deal with the rest of your life. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, it's it doesn't it's definitely interesting dealing with being different than and you know, it's kind of weird too because everyone's different. I don't know if there's a normal like you say oh be normal. I don't know what normal is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I feel honestly that goes for well everybody but especially adaptees. There is no one set norm that fits mm-hmm. all. No, definitely not. So but but it definitely someone who is not an adoptee there's definitely a difference in understanding i feel like someone who may have not mm-hmm. through the similar and not even just that you can just be adopted and that's considered trauma like adoption trauma is a thing on its own well yeah because e- even if you get adopted within the country you don't have to come from anywhere else even mm-hmm. you if you get adopted here like it's any sort of disturbance to your everyday life can and will create some sort of trauma. Mm-hmm. There was actually a study done that I found about parenting. I look up a lot of parenting studies. Mm-hmm. I think that comes from both my adoption experience and my traumatic experiences after that. But um, it basically said that parents, if they do 30% of the work, the child will be you know, at least basically better off. It's kind of wild, 30%. Like that was the number they gave, the yeah. percentage. Now, I know, obviously, you want to do better than that. They're just saying, you know, base level, if you can do 30% of the work, your child should be okay. Because, I mean, think about it. After a certain age, humans are kind of built to be independent in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Or collective as well. I think, you know, tribal and things like that. But um, that was just interesting. But, okay, anyway, we're veering off topic a little bit. <laughs> um, what do you feel, in your opinion, um, for all the parents, the people who might want to adopt listening, what is the most misunderstood thing about adoptees and what can parents do to make sure that they're going to be the best for their kids? Um, some of the things I would say is, even though you have wanted this child for however long, Mm-hmm. Um, it is important to still have that integrity of the child is still their own person. Mm-hmm. You cannot own them as much as you want to. Um, that their given name at birth is incredibly important. Uh, I know a lot of adoptees that came here, their entire name has been changed. Mm-hmm. And like, for me, I'm thankful that, like, you know, my parents here at least considered that and kept my first name without changing it, uh, adjusting it and stuff like that. So with that being said, you somebody's name is incredibly important. The access to their culture is incredibly important, whether through um, uh, like community groups or like food or like language, whether like they're learning it or like listening to music, things of that nature. I think all of that is important that like you give your child the option to have access to those things. And then you let them decide like if they want to participate or not. I think many parents here tend to be guilty of like adopting from a different culture and then they don't do research of where their child is actually from and then because they want to quote unquote like make the child's life easier here they think that like stripping them off their culture would be easier and just immersing them into the uh, American culture um, would like benefit them and uh, 
that's again a double-edged sword like a you need to give the child the opportunity to decide that and b studies show that children who speak more than one language actually tend to be a lot better off in life instead of like you just being like oh you're going to learn english and that's that um because later on in life when they try to learn another language it's incredibly difficult for them to try and pick that up mm-hmm no, um, I agree with everything that you said, and I'm one of the people, one of the adoptees that got their name completely changed coming to the U.S. And kind of a similar thing, my, my, my adoptive parents were like, well, Olga isn't really an attractive name, and we knew you, you would get made fun of if you, we kept your name Olga Validivna Linford, you know, which, um, and Linford is not Russian, but another story on that another day. But <laughs> um, it definitely affected me because, I, I mean, they named me Megan, right? And that's a very American name, very just, or I guess it's, isn't it like Irish or something? Well, either way, um, it was very weird for sure, especially as I got older. I think the thing that, um, and I was only 18 months when I was adopted, so this is my experience with that. Um, my bone structure, as I got older, I looked at my face and I was like, I don't look like an American person. I don't look anything yeah, like people. Uh, I don't. But, okay, you don't look like a Megan to me, but that's why I say like, even though it may be difficult for you as an adoptive parent to pronounce your child's name, I think it's just a respect thing that you learn how to do it mm -hmm. regardless of the difficulty. Because like I said, somebody's name is part of their identity. Yep. And like you, you can't just be like, oh, this is not it anymore. Because like I said, it does make the child grow up and struggle. Because A, you already don't look like anybody in your family. B, your name doesn't fit you the way, you know, it once did, because the older you are, the more curious you get about where you came from and like your tribe, sort of speak and things like that. And then it's just a whole, um, whole different ballgame because I went through that and I know my biological family. I went through all the same things. I still go through it as a 30-year-old, like where I'm like, okay, I'm having an identity crisis, even though my name has never changed, but my culture did. So like, and even though I've been here for basically 18 years, I'm still like um, grasping of like where I come from. And there's just not enough resources here for, I feel like Russian adoptees or any adoptees from mm -hmm. wherever you may be. and. I wish there were more communities of people that like you can hang out with, you know, for maybe a couple of hours a week where you're exposed to the language, you're exposed to the food, you're exposed to the different kinds of people. Because when you go back home, even like for me, like even though um, I don't consider myself American and I never will because of like where I came from and the age that I came from. I still feel like when I go home, I'll still sit, stick out like a sore thumb because I've been here for so long. Mm -hmm. No, um, you're actually reminding me of a few things. I'm looking this up now. I believe it's called imadopted.org, but there is, um, it, it's, you know, it's not great. It does offer a lot of good things. It was a, an adoptee from that got adopted to New Zealand. I forgot his name. He's blonde. Um, but either way, yeah, I'm adopted.org. Yeah, that's what he runs. And it is a pretty good platform. There's a lot of other stories on there um, that you can actually get put on the website. Uh, let me see the resources they have. So 
and this is just for any adoptees listening that might want to go on here. They have the adoption diaries, notes and news updates. I know they have meetups, but the fact that they're in New Zealand is the issue because they don't have American meetups. It's not like that. Um, but still, if you want some online resources, it's a great place to go. Um, but yeah, that's kind of why I started doing this actually as well, because I feel like there isn't a lot in the U.S. for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to also make a point too to the culture connection, because again, I'm much younger. So a lot of people think when you get a baby from Russia, oh, it's way different than getting an older kid you know, from Russia and adopting them, right? Um, but in my experience, and maybe this is just because my adoptive life here was traumatic, I'm not really sure. Um, I was told, oh, you look just like, um, you're, you guys look, you, they, my, my adoptive parents wanted us to look like them. So their mm-hmm. big thing was when I was a kid, they'd say, oh, you got, you, they look like your real kids. They look like your biological kids. So as I got older, I looked nothing like my adoptive parents, maybe a little bit like my adoptive father, unfortunately, cause I, I don't like him very much, but, um, he's Macedonian and I have some of, I have some close ethnicity breakdown to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then it's not that similar um so it was very weird growing up and being like oh i look i'm not you know we're very different um so even i need i needed that cultural connection and learning russian then though it's very weird because i don't feel russian enough so it's like i'm not american i'm not these ethnicities um the way that i dealt with that though is just i belong everywhere i connect with everybody i try to be you know compassionate to everybody but I'm really hoping with this podcast um, and this YouTube channel, I can expand it a little bit more to be something that can be good in the United States for adoptees and parents that want to adopt. Because I don't think that adoption's a bad thing. I just, we, you know, just like Vika also agrees, we just want it to be done in a better way and to have more awareness on the topic. Oh, for sure. Um, while adoption in itself is like, you know, a beautiful and noble act. Um, and I'm sure for many, the intentions are pure. It's just, there's a lot that goes into it than just like, oh, I want a child and I want them now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you do have to consider, like I said before, like, you know, how ethical is this adoption? Because there are so many children who are separated from their families and the families are told, oh, you can have your children in say six months time or a year's time. And then by the time the parent is ready to retrieve their child again, they're no longer in the country. That's mm-hmm. been like cases. And then like you have cases here where I just feel that unfortunately um, there isn't enough done for the parents here with in regards to like ethical a- adoptions. I think there should be a psyche valve for both of the parents. And like you have interviews with the people that know the couple and whether they're co-workers family friends stuff like that like so you have a better picture of how they are as people instead of kind of having like a biased opinion of okay you have two people who back each other's story up you know what i'm saying yeah no and um, we talked to oh, go ahead sorry and for one thing like we've spoken about this before that there was there's so much more that goes into in the adoption process if uh, a same-sex couple tries to adopt versus, you know, a heterosexual couple that tries to adopt, you know? So, and I think in that regard, there needs to be a fine balance to where there is an equal opportunity for both, 
you know what I'm saying? Because like I said, the, there is so many things that the same sex couple has to go through to prove that they're worthy of having a child and that they're fit parents. But it's not the same for like parents of, say, like I said, a normal heterosexual couple. Yeah, no, you make a really good point there. And actually, I can speak on this to my own experience again. Um, actually, this is a good place to plug some other resources I got for you guys. So for adoptees that would like to look into their records, so if you want to try to get that, you do actually have the Freedom of Information Act, um, which allows you to request it. So if you go to USCIS, um, it is a, I, I think it's either .org or .com, but either way, you will find it very easily. And you go ahead and do the FO, Freedom of Information Act, FOIA request. You can actually request your documentation. Um, and I did this. And what this will show you is your birth certificates, any information on your um, adoption. This could mean parent names, birth parent names that you might have not had mm -hmm. prior. Um, I unfortunately didn't have any other Russian documents that were there, but I did have all of the documentation on the adoption agency. Um, I had how much we cost my brother and I, which was a really weird thing to see, by the way. I don't know if you, <laughs> that's, that's a wild one. But I also saw um, what their check-in was. So like trying to make sure that, you know, checking the adoptive parents, what do they do? They had a child services worker come into the house. They had someone interview, but it wasn't it wasn't thorough enough. They all they did was interview my parents, and there was some. And from I mean, unless my adoptive family lied about their childhoods and their younger lives, um, there was a lot of lying, and mm -hmm. there was not. Yeah, it wasn't truthful. And then I ended up in a very traumatic situation where I need to go to therapy a lot now. And it's just like, I don't know. It definitely needs to be better. Um, it's kind of difficult. I will level with them. Like when you deal with people who are for, you know, abusive or problematic in that way, they do hide it a lot. So to the merit of people doing the, that kind of work, it is not always easy. However, it should be done a little more in, intensely if they're going to be adopting children. Well, and that's why I say that like a psyche valve is yeah. an absolute must because even while I was in the military and had gone to Afghanistan prior to going, it was necessary for me to have a psyche valve before and after to to measure how I was affected as a person through my experience being deployed to another country. So I think, like I said, it's very necessary for like parents that are looking to adopt to go through that because it's you know, it's sad, but you are not the only child that has gone into the family who is not all they had cut out to be. Mm -hmm. But I'll let you speak no, on that. No, 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 you're, you're good. I was just trying to think because I, I feel like in my documents, I saw there was something like a psych evaluation, but even if there was, I remember thinking it wasn't enough. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't a big enough one. And um, when you think about it to someone who might be, you know, sociopathic, something along those lines, very manipulative, they will be able to get out of those relatively easily. So you almost need to have people trained to look for that, like a person on the team for adoptions to look for that, because a lot of parents will do it to make it look like they are, you know, the queen or the king of being so kind and generous and it, it, it makes them look good. And it does. It makes people look really good. Right. Yeah. And that's why I feel it's necessary to speak to, like I said, the, the family members, like the friends, the people that they work with, because yes. while, you know, 
it, I think it just will get let you have a better idea of who they are as a person because you can only hide but so much, you know what I'm saying, like from the different types of people who are exposed to you in your true, life. True, true. No, that would have that would have been a good idea. I'm very certain that didn't happen when I was looking through it. It's been a minute. I haven't looked at my documents in about two years. So um, but it is something that can still be very helpful. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. We could talk about the changes all day that might need to happen. Um, maybe at some point when, you know, as this goes on, this um, you know, and grows, right? And I build more resources yeah. for it, maybe we can do something to try and, and amend it a little bit. But um, I guess for now. We'll just have to do some awareness by talking about it. Yes, ma'am. But I am glad that you had put out that resource because there are children who have been adopted and their parents refuse to give the them documents that they rightfully, you know, deserve. Yeah, yeah that's actually why I had to get mine. Yeah. Uh, they were afraid I was going to go and live in Russia. And so they didn't let me have my actual documents. I have copies of them instead. But see, and that, that's where I believe that, you know, as an adult, uh-huh. if yeah. that was the case and that was your decision, I think it's your rightful decision to be able to decide it for yourself on whether or not you wanted to do that or even if you wanted to visit and check it out, because like I said, you've been here for so long that I know you have questions and there's but so much you can learn through the Internet versus being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think honestly, in my case, and this isn't a podcast about, you know, my life story, but um, I think it was more about control, maybe a little bit of fear yeah. as well. I think I think maybe, you know, my adoptive mother might have had a little bit of fear around it, which, you know, even even I do some, you know, it's, it's totally different. The things I, you know, I heard growing up about Russia were not good. Um, but of course, since traveling out of the country, I recently did. So I already knew that a lot of the things I grew up hearing were not true, but actually experiencing, um, I went to San Marino, actually, it's a small country in Italy. It was, I've never felt so safe in a country and the food was amazing. It didn't mess up my my uh, digestion. Gosh, it was amazing. If anyone has a chance to go to Italy, um, is Italy as a whole in general is a lot better in, in that regard. Um, definitely check it out. But yeah, one day, one day. When things are getting better, because right now I don't think it's a very good idea to travel to Russia. <laughs> I mean, even if you wanted to, you couldn't because oh, that's the true. Are closed. So. I heard that you can go through Turkey or Poland. Uh, no, that really? is unfortunately false information. The only people that can go in and out of the country are the Russian military. Interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, I, I wouldn't go anyway right now, but like you know, yeah. that's. Uh, that's wild. But for anybody curious about what's going on over <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, if anyone wants to go ahead, Vika, tell. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like I said, I do have family over there. And um, yeah, as of right now, because of the sanctions and stuff like that, the only no travel is allowed to and from. That's why I couldn't pay respects to my brother. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how I know. <laughs> No, that makes sense. I'm really sorry you weren't able to do that physically. I'll do that on my own time when the things are a little better over there. Yeah, I hope it gets better soon. Like, honestly, I keep hoping that it's not going to last a super long time, but it's already been a year, which I can't believe. 
yeah, it's, uh, I cannot even begin to imagine, to be honest with you. And as somebody who's been in the military, like I said, the, that's a very heavy subject, no matter who is involved. Yeah, I agree. We had a good conversation about that um, a while back as well, and both agree that war just shouldn't be a thing. Well, it's, I have always believed that it needs to be between between the people that are involved and not the Yeah, civilian. not the entire civilian, yeah. Yeah, it gets insane. Um, I, I think that gets into a whole conversation about world leaders, and I think... Yeah, that's for another day and another day. So there is actually another resource. And I think that parents who want to adopt will benefit a lot from this. There is a PDF on childwelfare.gov. And if you just search intercountry PDF, um, you'll actually be able to find it. And it gives a lot of information um, on, you know, adopting interculturally, as well as the need for therapy for the children and gives you resources. I think it's really great. It was uh, made in 2020. Good. I'm glad that you, you know, you put that out for the people curious. Yes. Sorry. I keep almost sneezing. So I'm like, oh, I just want people to understand we are not anti adoption by any means. We just want yeah. people to be aware that there's a lot that goes into it, that really real people are involved. No, 100%. And that's another reason I wanted to do something like this, because I think a lot of the conversation, especially on TikTok. Yeah, I think um, when it comes to TikTok, you have kind of um, the extreme of both ends. You have either very bitter people or you have very grateful people. And you and I fall somewhere in between the two. Yes. Um, No, I, I agree. It's it's really complicated. I think people often want to be very much on one side or the other, but the reality of anything in life is that there is a middle ground most of the time, not always, mm-hmm. but in this case there is. And I really want to use this you know, podcast YouTube show to show that, that there is a middle ground, that people are going to have different opinions, but ultimately there's a way to do adoption correctly. And it's just not currently being done that way. Yes, because it's more of a, uh business mm-hmm. than it is uh for good yeah and that's true for um the dna stuff as well oh yeah absolutely um i i don't even know how many different dna um companies there are anymore like when i first took a dna test there was 23 and me and um ancestry.com but mm-hmm. now I understand that there's also like a heritage something and yeah. yes, the big four right now are my heritage family tree DNA 23 and me and ancestry and then there's a bunch of other ones. Um, what I do like is that there are ones that have different specialties so there's African ancestry.com is actually really awesome if you have African ancestry it'll like trace you down to your tribal lineage which I think is freaking cool i'm not gonna lie yeah i think that that's absolutely <laughs> incredible because like i said when i had taken a dna test it it's been seven years now mm-hmm. um it was very limited as to like what you could find out and like i said at the time there was only two and through ancestry dna it was ba- very basic you get um the basic like region that you are from and then with Ansys or the 23andMe, what's cool about it is it gives you a rundown of your health and possible things that you, you need to watch out for. 
and it also gives you a more in-depth um, DNA breakdown of where you're actually from. Yeah. And what's interesting about it, especially back then, um, they're improving it, though, is it's more accurate of the regions that exist, like the general area, than it is for the specific area um, with DNA, yeah. which is very interesting. But they've come a long way. There is another test that I am waiting to take. It's actually a Russian DNA test. It's because um, in Russia, I don't know if you guys know, even without like what's happening right now, it is illegal to have 23andMe ancestry, any out of country DNA tests. So if anyone has taken them in that country, it has been done so um, under the radar, if you know what I mean. But most Which, I highly doubt it because when you think about it, uh, Russia is very um, strict when it comes to the postal and like what goes in and out of the country. So that honestly. Yeah, that honestly makes me wonder if it's people that are here that are just they're from Russia. So maybe they put that they were because you can say where you're from, right? Mm -hmm. They could be saying because I agree, I don't know. Or people, the ones that I am matched with that are Russian people, um, they are not in Russia when they take this. Yeah. They're in another country. Yeah, and uh, uh, when I had taken the Ancestry DNA, like I said, I had found some fifth cousins. Yeah, what was your experience with that again? <laughs> but the first time I said that, you know, my ancestors really got around because I'm everything yeah, yeah. in about 72% Russian Ukrainian region. Yeah. Because because I was always told like that I don't look Russian because I don't have like the the stereotypical like structure of having very pronounced features that Russian women have. But I am like, I am blonde, I am blue eyed, which is very fitting for people from Sweden and like Iceland and uh, like that side, mm -hmm. <laughs> like the German side. And I found out that I'm everything, but like I said, Spanish, um, Portuguese and like Scottish and English. I'm everything else under the sun though. So I'm glad they had fun. I find that super cool. <laughs> Mine also did as well. And, and But I'm like half Caucasian. So the Caucasus Mountains, Southern Russia, Southern um, by Turkey and Azerbaijan, that area. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's another thing that I have always like been very like bothered by because Oh, people God. that come from the United States versus people that come from Europe. And everybody's like, well, if you're white, you're Caucasian. I'm like, no, no you're not. Because Caucasian people are Caucasian and I'm Caucasian, yeah. but uh, white people are white people. Sorry. There's yeah, no, no other way to put it. Oh my goodness. I made a TikTok about this and people got so heated. All I did was say that Caucasian does not equal white and it went viral. Yeah. And, people... and it, I mean, it's, it's true. It's, uh, it's true. But the more you know. Yeah, no, it's interesting because being half actual Caucasian, I hate saying yeah. it in America because I'm like Cox Mountains, not, not, not. And everyone's like, oh, you're just white. I'm like, I'm half European white, but I'm also half Caucasian. Yeah. It's mountains. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's really wild. And I think another surprise from my DNA was that I have a lot of Lithuania, which was kind of unexpected. Uh I don't know if that's really surprising to me, to be completely honest with you, just because the Slavic culture is so vast like you have to think it you know czech republic slovakia slovenia like all of these countries fall under that umbrella that's why all of us sound similar and look similar i don't want to say the same 
Yeah, no, it's similar. There's a lot of similarities. Yeah, mine kind of, it kind of goes back and forth, but it seems to be so far that my European side is a little Ukrainian, Lithuanian. Sometimes it goes between Russian and Belarusian as well, which I, whatever, I'm, it'll figure it out eventually, I'm sure. But um, yeah, my we'll friend, keep it at your Slavic. <laughs> yeah, all I know is I am Slavic and I am, and I'm Caucasian. Those are my two things. Um, my experience with DNA was finding mostly, I think I have some third cousins, but that's it. But even then that I am 10% Jewish. So all of that, I'm actually a little upset about it because it makes me have thousands of DNA matches that are far away that are Jewish and I'm only 10%. And I'm just like, I can't trace any of this. Well, I mean, it's also hard because like you said, when it comes to your particular story, there is just so much that is unknown. Mm-hmm. I wish it was as simple as like, you know, you had an actual birth name for your mother or your father or like anybody. Um, but we will continue to dig. We will find somebody. Someday. I'm pretty sure I'll figure something out. I have a weird feeling in my 30s. Something's going to come up. You're cutting it close. Boo. <laughs> I know. I know. We're getting there. I'm excited. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, okay. So DNA, is there anything else you want to add about, and, and I think DNA can be a really great thing. Um, by the way, guys, if you have thought about doing it, you can follow me on TikTok. Um, TikTok's probably going to be banned soon, which is fine. It's another reason I started this because I know how important it is to talk about these subjects. Um, as uncomfortable as they may be, we need awareness. Yes, exactly. Um, but if you are interested in TikTok is not yet banned when you hear this, check me out on TikTok. I talk a lot about DNA tests, which ones you can look into, what ones are viable, what ones are not. Um, that way you can make the best choice for you. My TikTok is Olya V Lin, O-L-Y-A-V and then L-I-N. I shortened my name a lot because Americans, um, have a little bit of a hard time saying my full name. Whenever I say Olya, because Olya is like a friendly way of saying Olga, I'll always say, you're, they're like, what do you mean, Olya? And I'm like, yeah, think like Olya. That's what I tell them to say. Well, it's not so much <laughs> that it's a friendly way of saying it and not to correct you. It's just the No, nickname. it's okay. Please do. You're, you're The same you know. way I'm Victoria, but the nickname is Vika. And since I've been called Vika since the, the moment I came out the womb, it's hard for me to be like, oh. Victoria like I never acknowledged to it because I'm, I'm like don't call, call me my government name <laughs> <laughs> no but I think I learned that in Russia the like if you're friends with someone you'll say Olya instead of Olga mm-hmm. I, yeah uh-huh. it, like I said it's more or less a nickname most of us go by our nickname as opposed to our actual full name what is Olichka then I've heard that one before Olichka is like little Olya the oh. same way Spanish culture, you have like the ito if like you sure. you're saying um you know little whatever boy or girl whatever, so olichka is like I said the little olia. Okay, I've had older Russian women um like grandma older call me olichka sometimes, and I'm like yeah, it's it's a term of endearment. It, you know, it was cute. I didn't mind it. Okay, so I think we've touched everything on pretty much DNA tests at least for now. We can always talk mm-hmm. about it another time. Um, but tell me about where you are now. Like, what are your, I know we talked a little bit about what are your, do you have any goals? What are you trying to do right now? The goal for now is to be uh, the best mom that I can to my boys and to try and 
give them the best life that I can. While mine hasn't been easy, my sons don't deserve to have that same pain and suffering. And if I can prevent it from happening, I will by any means necessary because while I'm in therapy at 30 years old, finally, I would like for my sons to stay out of it. Yeah. No, I have a lot of respect for you with that for sure. And I know that you've uh, dealt with a lot of things. I think that's a wonderful goal. And a lot of parents can look up to that, I think, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and I agree with that. And then, uh, but outside of that, I'm just still in school for radiology. It's a, it's a slow going process, but I'll get there before 50. <laughs> I believe in you. I th- You're going to get there. I think it's not always about the speed. It's just about, you know, getting to the point, you know. It's a journey. Yeah. Um, is it's there about any- the journey, oh. not the destination. Yeah, and it really is too. Like it sounds cheesy, but I mean, it, it is re- about the journey along the way of getting there. You know, that's what life mm-hmm. is—just a journey. So, ma'am. Yeah, but is there anything else? Um, we're kind of towards the end now. So, is there anything else you want to add that we didn't touch on? Honestly, I don't even know what we touched on at this point anymore. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about a lot of different things. Um, (laughs) Our problem is that we can talk forever. But I think, like I said, the biggest thing we're trying to do here is to give people awareness. Um, We are trying to give other adoptees a voice um, that they may not have otherwise had or felt like they had. Um, We're trying to give people the opportunity to speak about their experience here and their upbringing and where they're going how they've been affected by it mm-hmm. and stuff like that like how been they've been coping with things um i don't know i think like that's about it i think one of the other things i wanted to touch up on is the awareness that many um adoptees suffer not only from cptsd which stands for complex post-traumatic stress disorder but many of us also have rad yep that's true. Another trauma-based disorder. Yeah, so I can touch on that really quick. That was a good good bring up, actually. Thank you. And we we have talked about pretty much everything you just mentioned already. So just so you know, we had a good conversation here. I think people are going to get a lot out of it, hopefully. But CPTSD is actually something I am diagnosed with. Um, it's that's it's usually from repeated trauma. So like, it's not just one time that something happens, it's multiple times. And then your brain just builds up a recover, like a way to defend itself. And personally, that's how I look at it. I look at it as something that makes my brain in a way stronger, right? Cause it's helping me to uh, defend against certain things, but it, do, it does come with challenges. I'm not saying it's a good thing. Um, this is just how I dealt with it. And the other one is reactive attachment disorder. And this is one that a lot of adoptees come with. I'm pretty sure my adoptive brother actually had um, reactive attachment disorder and it can come with a lot of different things. Pretty much it's, I feel like it comes from an, a deep set anger of not being with of being taken away from your birth family. That's what I I feel rad actually is. Uh, I wouldn't so much say that it's like a deep um, set anger. I would say it's more of effects of being taken away from your family prematurely. Yeah, there we go. Um, and I, I didn't mean anger like they're deciding to be angry. It's more like a subconscious, your body. Yeah. 
is yeah, upset. I, uh, I, could, I could agree with that as well. Yeah, and then- yeah it's not a choice. It's because it's in, in children, right? So children are deciding, oh, I want to be angry about this. It's in their body. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, and you're, you are correct. It's in just pain, the way you react going from yes. the environment that you did to a brand new environment. And now you have to like, yeah, when people are trying to be um, like affectionate with you and things like that, whether like through physical affection or um, like words of affirmation, you just tend to have an adverse reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Um, because your your brain has a hard time processing it as like a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Do like I said, due to trauma. And then in regards to CPTSD, um, the differences are in regular PTSD, it's through one experience. Yes. With CPTSD, it's through having um a long term trauma exposure. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the difference. Over yes. ex- once overextended period of time versus a single event. Yeah. And with RAD, I haven't researched it in a while. So um, I was trying to describe it in simple, because I, I think it's definitely a defense mechanism as well, obviously, <laughs> right? It's a child, it's a child's body protecting itself, the brain protecting itself um, from the pain. It's not even anger. I think anger was the wrong word. It's pain, right? And that shows up in the form of other things like anger and I feel like there can be some other ways of it showing as well, depending on the child's personality. So yeah, uh, uh, from my experience and um, my personal experience, but also through seeing other people going through it, it's you have a very difficult time having healthy relationships with other people because it kind of gets like in a way of um, like your social skills. Mm-hmm. And things like that and like being able to read like body language things of that sort yeah and i feel like it's kind of difficult too i always wondered how they if you have more than just rad because you can have multiple disorders at once as oh, well yeah right how do you pick it out because that is also a symptom of cptsd in some people so it's like hmm but that's a big conversation but all we're trying to say is a lot of kids that are adopted may come with these things yes and- ma'am Good to be aware of it. Um, it is good to know parents, so any parents listening, this is something that can be worked through. It is. It um, won't always be easy. Um, get having a good support system, I think, with any child, but especially with adopted children internationally uh, and domestically, um, yeah, that support system is going to be really beneficial to you. For sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And like you said, that, you know, relationships with your child is not hopeless like there are ways to fix it but biggest thing would i would probably suggest would be either family therapy individual therapy Hmm. but um for parents who have struggled with their adopted child i would probably say that many of the reasons come from the things that we have mentioned today yeah and you can look up different therapists though you can go to psychology today and you can look into that information and it's going to be really helpful to kind of narrow down your decision it also describes it really well so you know who you're looking at and their credentials all of that fancy stuff how long they've been working Um, so it's something you can look at so if you want to repair your relationship today (laughs) so if you want to repair your relationship today (laughs) let's look into 
possibly get in help? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like an ad. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not selling anything, but I mean, yeah. We're for that. But, for, for now, for now. Someday we'll plug something, but I'll only plug things that I actually feel are beneficial. Man, the amount of times I've been approached to sell products to my followers that were really sketchy, and I was like, uh, no. But no, we, we're just really trying to be helpful. That's about it. Yeah, no, we definitely are. All right. Anyways, uh, yeah, this was really good. Um, I feel like we touched on all the really important topics. There's obviously more we could say. I feel like we could talk about this for days, but... We got things to do, places to be, people to and see. People don't want to listen to us for more than an hour. Accurate. I wouldn't want to listen to us for more. Than an hour. Oh my gosh. All right. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. It's been really great. If you have any questions, feel free to message me on my social media channels. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear your thoughts um, and your story as well. With you know, if you've already adopted children, if you're an adoptee and want to be on the show as well, please let me know. I would love to have you. Yeah, I hope everybody has a wonderful day, and thank you for listening to us and giving us the opportunity to educate you a little bit on the life of adoptees. <laughs> Perfect. All right, have a good day, everyone, and we're out.